Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, professional host and MC, Misty Campbell. Hey, what you drinking? If you are driving, I'm going to suggest that you really, really might want to pull over. Uh, this is a conversation that you want to listen to when you are in a secure place, stable, and you're not concerned about what folks might hear you say back to this next guest that I'm about to bring on. Because this is someone who I have, I don't even know how long I've known this guest. We've, we've known each other, I think, since 2017. And we just keep showing up in the same places. It's like we, we know some of the same people. We interact with them differently. And every time I see her with them, I keep thinking, I need to spend some time with Misty All-Purpose Campbell. So with that, Misty, welcome to Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. Thank you so much, Galen. I am happy and excited to be here today. Okay, okay. So that's your professional radio voice. I get it. But we're gonna have a we're gonna have a real life conversation, right? What up, Galen? <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. There you go. Because we got a lot of stuff that we need to catch up on and talk about. And you know, you've been on a couple of shows that I've co-hosted, but this is the first show that's actually allowing you to speak directly to my guests. So I want the real Misty Campbell to stand up. All right, here and accounted for. All right. Okay, so uh, well, my audience knows that I've got a, a lot of questions, but they know that that first question is really what gets this thing started. So I'm just going to come with it. So what you drinking? I am drinking on some Jose Cuevo strawberry lime margarita mix. So some tequila. Okay. All right. I think you might be the first Jose Cuevo on the podcast. We, we've we had a lot of people uh, drinking clear liquor. Uh, we've had a lot of people drinking water. We've had some folks drinking espresso, but no Jose Cuevo. So I got you. I got you. That means that I need to really put some thought into the whiskey that I want to bring into this conversation. And I went back to one that was actually given to me, first introduced to me by a really good friend. And when he gave it to me, I was I was really at the beginning of my exploration into into whiskey. I had a couple bottles. I tasted a couple things. But when he gave this to me, it really kind of changed the trajectory of how I was experiencing this stuff. Uh, after I had it, I, I started going into the stores locally, trying to see if I can pick it up and I couldn't find it anywhere. And he told me, yeah, you can only find this in Kentucky, the home of good bourbon. This bourbon is Cassius Clay, named after the Senator of Kentucky, who uh, I believe Cassius Marcellus Clay, ultimately Muhammad Ali was, was named kind of indirectly after him. But in preparation for this, I, I read the back of the bottle and it says, 
Cassius Clay, the, the fighter, meaning the senator, he was a fighter, says, always armed with two trusted Bowie knives, Clay defended himself on numerous occasions, even single-handedly fighting off a gang of men as well as a hired assassin by severing his own injuries and mortally wounding several of his opponents, Clay ultimately earned a warrior's reputation, fearless in the presence of conflict and steadfastness in his personal conviction. And when I read that last part about fearless and steadfastness in conviction, I thought, okay, this is, this is Misty. <laughs> Absolutely. All purpose Campbell. So with that, I'm going to crack open this I haven't had this haven't had this in a bit because uh, like I said you can only get this in Kentucky so I got to be judicious about when I break it out but uh when when I I found out and confirmed that Misty was coming I decided then that this was that occasion so we're going to crack this open. Yes. Do we bless the bottle first or how does it work around here? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that for a little bit. Just tap bit. tap tap tap. <laughs> Yes, the sound. All right, um, this this is straight up straight up a hundred proof on the nose. So okay, this is grown folk stuff. Grown <laughs> folk stuff. While I uh, remember some Cassius Clay, mm -hmm. share with the audience a little bit about Misty Campbell, but then work into that how you came to earn the name All Purpose. Because nicknames can't be given, they have to be earned. So talk about how you earned that name and how we came to be in such close proximity to each other on so, so many occasions. Absolutely. I love, I love that you say nicknames I earned because um, I've truly earned that. But Misty Campbell, born in Chicago, South Side. I've always been out. Well, I shouldn't say always. That's a lie. I was very shy until I was about 12. So let, let me backtrack. But anyway, my personality started to blossom when I started to get between like the ages of 15 and 18. So like my homies in the hood, they would be like, Misty, you sound like you should be on the radio. And I would be like, what does that sound like? And so anyway, but then like strangers would say that when they heard my voice. And so I was just all throughout my life. I'm somebody who I'm very resourceful. So you could call me, you need a plumber, you need a proofreader, you need a whatever you need it. I, and this was pre, okay. This was pre the internet. Okay. So people would call me for, do you know somebody who does this? Do you know somebody who does that? And then I, I went to school for broadcasting radio and tech, radio and TV. And then I'm also a real estate broker. And then I do several other things. So I had a few homies who I took broadcasting with. They videotaped one of my birthday parties. And one thing you should know about me, I am big on birthdays. But um, they videotaped my party. But then they took about eight months to get me the, vi the video footage. So when they finally brought me the edited footage, and I mean, we're talking probably VHS at this point. This was before digital. They put together this, I'm sorry, care package box. And they had a jersey made. They had a jersey made. And on the back of it, it said, Miss All Purpose. And so my original, well, I've had quite a few radio names, Essence Brown, Misty Me. But when I saw that Miss All Purpose on the back of that jersey, I was like, 
that's the one. So that's how I ended up becoming Miss All Purpose because I'm all things purposeful. I actually uh, had had a radio show called All Purpose Radio where we talked about an array of topics. What I found people like most, uh, Galen, they really love to talk about relationships. People love to talk about relationships, marriage, divorce, dating. And it was funny because some of the things we would hear on that show, it's like, oh, did you say that out loud? Like, oh, my husband doesn't know about these three accounts I have. Like, oh, okay, well, (laughs) I hope he's not listening to the show. So I'm a South Side girl. Um, I'm a speaker, which is how Galen and I met through the National Speakers Association and the Black National Speakers Association. Um, I speak on caregiving. I had a son who had cerebral palsy and he died when he was 20, which was in 2017. And Galen, we actually met in 2018. I started to notice that a lot of parents didn't know how to be great advocates for their children. And so that led me to start speaking on caregiving and self-care for the caregiver. And uh, it's funny you mentioned Fearless because actually I have a program um, that I put parents through called Fearless Advocate. And so basically the idea with that program is that if you go in front of the hospital, the doctors, educational system, maybe you need the legal system, that you know how to be a great representative for the person you're caring for. And um, Galen, we actually met in a mastermind group through the Black National Speakers Association. That was our first introduction to each other. And uh, I remember being in that group. It was my first mastermind and I just didn't have any motivation. And so Galen had posted this. I think at the time you were doing talking about, I don't know, was it motivation or late procrastination? I think that's what it was. Something to that nature. And I was having a tough time and you posted something on Facebook and I was like, I'm in this group with all these speakers. Isn't my money giving me access to these people? And I reached out to you and I said, hey, I'm having a tough time. And you called me and you said, you just don't want to do the work. I was like, oh, okay." (laughs) And so that motivated me to, you know, put my good foot forward and finish what what my goal was. So um, and we've actually seen each other in person. I don't know if it's once or twice. For sure, in Florida, we saw we saw each other at the annual meeting. So that's how we came to be in the same atmosphere. All right. So now, Misty, I'm going to ask you now, because that doesn't, you know, if you listen, if you listen to this podcast, people talk about how how nice and smooth and laid back I am. That doesn't sound like me to just call you out and say, (laughs) You you just don't want to do the work. Really? Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you laid it. What it was funny, though, I thought I was going to get this like professional, um, like, you know, certain kind of answer. But no, you gave it to me like straight, raw, uncut. But it was what I needed, too. So, yes, Galen, it was you. It was you. <laughs> and you called me out on my stuff and which was which was what I needed. So, you know, thanks for that. <laughs> Well, you know, you 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 have definitely have been putting in the work since then because I see you all over the place. Uh, you are all over social media. You are absolutely taking care of of your business, and I am just so lucky to have you here. So l- let me let's get right into the center of what I'm going to call at least one of your expertise, and that is caregiving. Because fortunately, I have not had the experience of having to advocate for, you know, a child's care. But I am in the stage of life where my parents 
are starting to age and the health of my parents are questionable. It's, you know, super, Superman was actually flesh and blood after all. And so this need to advocate on the behalf of someone who used to advocate on my behalf, that's strange territory for me. What are some things that you try to square away very early when you're talking to an audience, uh, when you're talking to people who are new to this caregiving space, whether they're parents or whether they're like me having to take care of, of their parents, what are some things that they don't usually understand on the front end and you try to try to square them away as soon as you possibly can when you meet them? Galen, that is such a great question because literally about an hour ago, I had a meeting with my uh, ghostwriter. I'm writing a book on caregiving. We're pretty much 75% done. And so the question was, again, she asked me, so who's the audience? Are we doing general caregiving? Are we doing for parents of children with disabilities? Or to your point, are we doing adults who are now taking care of their parents? And so the reality of the book is like, it's for caregivers, but you know how they say niche, niche to be rich. So, uh, you know, picking an audience, but one of the, so thank you for that question. One of the very first things, the number one thing that I speak on or that I tell my clients, audience, get your legal affairs in order. That's the number one thing people don't want to do, but it's one of the most important things you have to do. I'm currently now caregiver for my mother. So is the person you're caring for, are their legal affairs in order? Their property, their will, their trust, their estate, even having conversations on who's going to be the power of attorney, you know, things of that nature. Who's going to who's going to run the estate or run their business or run their finances? Because it's such a it's a sensitive topic. But if you get that out the way first. And start to have those conversations while the person is in right mind and body, because that's that's important. So, you know, their wishes and what we learn again about when you're taking care of a parent with, um, you know, aging, their wishes may be their wishes. How does their wishes affect your life? You may have your own family and your own dreams and goals. And again, if you're a parent of a child with disabilities what do you have your own as the caregiver, as the advocate? Do you have your own legal affairs in order in case something happens to you and this child is left here without you? You know, because everybody might not want to take care of your child with disabilities and disrupt their life. But you might find people who might be willing to accept that responsibility. So, Galen, number one and number one, get your legal affairs in order. Wow. Yeah, okay. So now you you gonna you gonna help some people here, even if people happen to be me, <laughs> because you know I, you know I've heard that for a while that you need to make sure that the, your legal affairs are in order, and especially as you are taking care of your parents. But I'm gonna talk about myself. That's really hard. That's really hard because yeah, you're trying to ask some very specific, some personal, some, some, some intimate questions about finances and accounts and money and, and wishes and burial and that kind of thing. And you know, you got to get the answers, but that's mom, that's dad. And at the end of the day, if mom don't want to tell you, 
<laughs> if dad don't want to say, you know, how do you how do you handle those? How do you handle those conversations? What advice do you give to your audience members or clients on how to have those conversations around sensitive topics like you mentioned when they you know still want to show respect to you know their parents or to their loved ones? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to throw this back to you in the way you gave me advice. You have to just do it. There's no Vaseline, no, there's no easy bake oven. There's nothing you can glad on that to make it less sensitive. And I think if nothing else, you know, when you start start to have those questions, like I say, while they're in right man and body, at least, you know, saying, and if you have a parent who's totally like, I'm not telling you my business, the next question is, well, if you die today, where can I find your business? How can I access that? You know, and then you may have siblings, which complicates people's situations because, you know, if if, if these conversations aren't being had, mom dies, dad dies. And now it's like, what what's next? And you've been you've been physically caregiving for the parent and your sister from Arkansas comes down. And now she's like, oh, well, I want this. I want this. I want to do that. And it gets it really gets tricky when one sibling becomes the physical caregiver of the parent. So I don't I don't have a, a better way to do it than just do it. If they aren't receptive of having that conversation, then maybe you can find someone, not that they don't trust you, but maybe you can find someone else. You know, some people trust a pastor, or, you know, the, whoever that can have that conversation with them that may not have, you know, skin in the game who can maybe a better uh, mediator to have that conversation with mom or with dad. And I think the bigger picture too is we have to get away from that being such a like hush hush topic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it just, it really just makes life harder. Like my dad, he doesn't want to, he's my, my sister is his caregiver. I'm my mom's caregiver. Well, I got the easy parent. So all my mom's stuff is in order, you know what I mean? But my dad, not so much. But if my dad dies, I'm not going to be trying to intervene. You know, whatever my sister, whatever happens, happens. So I just think maybe just, and you know what? Sometimes we might find that maybe if we send them a link or a video or an article or you know, maybe one of their best friends, you can have them, you know, casually bring it up to where it's not the children bringing up the topic to them, but somebody else who that they trust a little more that's not directly linked to them that can maybe open that door. But it's a, it's sensitive no matter how you slice it and dice it. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, I'll tell you, one of the things that's, that's really becoming clear, I think, to my listeners and it's reminding me of the conversations we used to have a couple of years back. And something that you reinforce is how fearless you seem to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a topic that you find a lot of people wanting to make their calling, caregiving. But yet, again, you're like, look, you just got to do this thing. You got to do it hard, right? Where where does this fearlessness come from? And I want you to get beyond saying, uh, you know, I'm just a girl from south south side of Chicago, you know, because we we can we can we can make some emphasis there that you got to be tough to grow up 
South Side Chicago. But where does this fearlessness come from? Well, and I wish I had a better answer for you, but I was born with it. I wish I had a better answer. I was just literally born with it. Like I say, I was shy like the first 12 years, whatever. But once I started to come into my own and my personality started to come out, and I think, honestly, it was always in me, but it slowly came out. And I'll just give you a few instances where it had to come out. So um, very, very shy as a child. Uh, My parents got divorced at five when I was five, excuse me, when I was five years old. And so then that household broke up. And then my sister is four years older than me. So at nine, at nine years old, I became a latchkey kid. So now you're used to having somebody else there. She goes to high school. So now I have to, and mom's at work. So you kind of become a little adult, to be honest, (laughs) you know? And so you really start to gain that independence. Mm. So at nine years old, 10 years old, I, I started to gain my independence. And by 14, I, and then another thing, say I was like 10 or 11 or 12, I kept saying, maybe nine or 10, I kept saying, you know, hey, I want to get into gymnastics or some kind of activity. And it went on deaf ears. And one day I went to school, I was in the fourth grade, and these girls had these like dance outfits on. And I was like, what is this? And they're like, oh, we dance at the park district. I went to the park district, signed myself up. So I think it was these instances where I kept having to advocate for myself. Mm. And that's really where my fearlessness started to grow because I understood, you know, when you're five and six, yeah, people doing things for you. But when you get 19, 11 and you're steady requesting and asking for things and nobody's making any moves on it, then I had to make a move on it myself. Mm -hmm. And then from there, just even throughout high school, I was very active in a lot of clubs, cheerleading, host and hostess club, vice president of my class. I mean, and I I have a strong foundation on both sides, my mom's side and my dad's side. So I come from great, great, great genes. My grandfather's 101. He's the last living grandparent that I have. But uh, you know, 101, you got some stories. Okay? Boy, howdy. <laughs> you got some stories. And so being able to have four grandparents and aunts and uncles and my parents are great and having a, a host of cousins. And so, you know, it's just it's in my genes, but just as misty in general, that's just like people say, oh, you're so positive. That was one of the gifts God gave me was mm. just I'm, I'm 99 percent positive. Don't talk to me when that 1% is going on, but 99% positive, fearless. And so I think it was just like a plant Hmm. that just had to be fed and watered. And once I was 20, when I had my son, um, he ended up being born with cerebral palsy. And so from jump, from the day I had him, I was determined to number one, not put him in a nursing home. So I had three goals. I had three goals. Three goals on how I was going to financially take care of him. Plan A, I decided to sue the hospital where I had my son. Okay, that was plan A. Plan B was to go to school and get my bachelor's degree, associate's degree, master's degree. And plan C was prostitute. (laughs) So I said, okay, if plan A and B don't work, I could definitely do plan C. Mm. But actually, plan A and B worked out literally at the same time, 2004. Yeah. So I'm just like I say, my fearlessness, I had to just constantly feed it 
because I was constantly in, in places where I was, I hate to say alone, right? Because I wasn't alone per se, but where I had to fend for myself, fend for myself, sound like I'm in the jungle. But you know what I mean? But where I had to advocate for myself. Wow. So I, I got to give my listeners a, a break as I take another drink of this <laughs> cash is clay. So, so plan C. <laughs> well, that's how dedicated I was to not putting him in a nursing home. And, you know, when you have that kind of passion, when you have that kind of passion, you understand it's, it's any means necessary. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.